The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. Don't know if you noticed what's going on in in Finland. Uh, Workers in Finland are saying, uh, no, we're not going to allow you to turn us into the U.S., Uh, We're not going to allow you to destroy labor rights. We're not going to allow you to destroy our social safety net. And some 300,000 workers or about 10% of the the Finnish workforce is in the streets striking uh, against their their right-wing government. Uh, And and this isn't just, this isn't just, you know, you have auto workers or truck drivers. It's, It's everybody. You know, there's kindergarten teachers, Shop owners, public transit workers, air traffic controllers. These are workers from every every walk of life saying, look, uh, the Nordic system that values workers' rights, uh, the, the, that, that is known for a generous welfare model, strong protections at work, strong benefits for workers, uh, we're not going to allow you to destroy that. Now, the right-wing government is going, well, no, no, we need to be a more... A, a more a more market driven uh more more export market driven labor market and you go mm, no what's been working pretty well for you folks is uh is having a a system where when everyone does better everyone does better and you don't you don't have a system set up on well who's willing to to cut each other's throats for pennies that you compete on the right things now what's what's going on is you have this, and I'm calling it a right-wing government. The news media keeps saying center-right. And look, you know, for us here, probably center-right. Uh, for for Finland, pretty far off to the right. When you're talking about the kind of, of t- attacks uh, that the Aropo people are, are pu- trying to push through and the National Coalition Party who are, who are trying to go uh, restrict workers' ability to strike, Um stopping a national mediator from from labor uh, from offering wage increases uh, beyond that 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 you know in, in other sectors uh, cutting employment unemployment benefits even so much of of and, the, and I know Americans are going to lose their mind over this cuz when I first read it I'm like hold on that can't be right but evidently currently if you're sick uh, if you get sick and you know you uh, you need to take some time off, you know, to get better. Evidently, your your unemployment starts from the day that you get sick. Now, understand what's going on in in Finland. The workers are going, hey, um, no, you are not going to allow you to make changes to the way things are. You're not going to to make your profits off of our backs. Uh, it's unjustified. It's 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 wrong. 
not going to happen. We're not going to allow you to weaken employees' positions um, in, in any way. Because, look, we fought for these. But when I found out that from, from day one when they get sick, uh, their, their sick leave starts on day one. And, you know, you don't miss anything. And they're saying, look, you know, when, when you start making these, these cuts into social benefits, like taking that first day of sick pay away, what you're doing is you're diminishing people's budgets and you're cutting into, you know, the local economy and the spending that's going to happen there. And I got to tell you, when I read that, I just completely stopped. And I go, you know, what we have put up with in this country for, you know, for decades the idea of no sick leave, the idea of if you're sick, you get your behind to work. Uh, the idea of if, if, if you go, if you're unemployed, you have to give up a week's pay. You have to be desperate enough. You have to miss a week of work before your unemployment starts. You know, I started thinking about how these folks in Finland would react to how bad our treatment of workers in this country has been all these years. And look, you know, we see these stories from France and from places like Finland where, you know, what we think are modest changes, they're shutting the country down because they know what's coming. They know eventually, they know eventually us. They're going to be us. And they don't want to be us. They don't want the the desperation, the poverty wages, the, the exploit. They don't want that. They want what their their parents and grandparents and, and folks before them fought for, built for them, and left for them. And they want to do the same for their children and grandchildren. Makes perfect sense. So not surprised at all that you're seeing you know, hundreds of thousands of people in Finland in the streets as we speak saying, no, uh, find a, a different way. Because, you know, as one commentator said, look, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be you know difficult. You know things are going to be shut down. Things are going to close early. We're not going to be able to you know, but it's worth it. The inconvenience is worth the fight, and the benefits that we're going to be able to hold on to. And it's that that mentality that I, I think we need to grasp onto. The idea of solidarity, not just for ourselves, not just for our neighbors and our coworkers, but for the entire the entire working class, this idea of solidarity across industries, across divisions, uh, this is a big deal and a learning lesson and an opportunity for people to go, maybe, maybe they got a point. Maybe we, if we want better health care, we want better education, we want better opportunities for workers in the workplace, wages, hours, conditions, maybe the way forward you know it. You know what I'm going to say. You know it. Maybe the way forward is getting on our comfortable shoes and getting out there on a picket line, adopting a striker when they're on strike, and maybe even ourselves joining, forming unions and fighting for better. Lesson to be had. Want to hear your thoughts? Email me, Rick at the RickSmithShow.com. But take a quick break. When we come back, former Congressman Andy Levin is going to be here to share some thoughts on his latest op-ed. Back after this. We 
ARAFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. You're listening to The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. So as we've been talking about, you know, the, the sad reality is, is all we keep hearing in the mainstream media, and especially from my right-wing friends, is how horrible the economy is, the sky's falling. They've kind of backed off to recession is around every corner and it's coming. Uh, in fact, you know, even Fox News is saying, you know, the economy's really good. Uh, but uh, not giving Biden the credit. And that's why I've asked uh, Andy Levin to come talk with us. Andy's a distinguished fellow, uh, senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. He's got a new piece out uh, over at the D.C. Journal on Bidenomics uh, titled uh, Critics Are Missing the Forest for the Trees. Uh, Andy is also a former congressman from Michigan. Andy, thanks for taking time for us. Hey, it's great to see you, Rick. It's good to be with you. So, um... What are the critics missing? I mean, you know, look, I've, I've been saying the economy's moving in the right direction. We're doing a lot of good things. Uh, but that message isn't really trickling down to the average voter, to the average, uh, to, or at least to my neighbors. What are we missing? Well, I think, first of all, you have to start from the fact that all these analysts and whatnot who, who want to look at the macroeconomic numbers, right, like th- these data points about inflation and 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 workforce participation unemployment rates my first point is people don't pay any attention to that i mean we don't know about that what we know about is our own lives right we know i know how much i'm making how much my sister's making who's working who's not and so people are upset because it costs more to buy milk and and when inflation comes down that doesn't mean there's deflation (laughs) that milk went back down. It just means it's not going up as fast. So I'm still pissed off about what I have to pay for milk, you know? And I think that has been a big factor. And the reason that I think things are are better than people say is, um, it's really a few things. First of all, workers are taking matters into their own hands. I mean, 2023 was a year of people across a huge breadth of this private sector economy Uh, going on strike or threatening to go on strike and winning huge gains. And, you know, UPS workers who who, who, with the Teamsters, they didn't go on strike, but they had a real credible threat. They won huge gains. That's the biggest bargaining unit in America, 340,000 people. And then airline pilots at three different different airlines. Uh, And then the screenwriters and the actors. And then gaming workers in here in Detroit as well. People don't hear about that as much. And also in Vegas, medical workers. And then, of course, you know, Kaiser Permanente and so forth and UAW. And so, uh, you know, these workers won way beyond inflation gains. And, you know, from a contract that like starts to kick in and then you get a step raise or whatever. And so people are going to be feeling that and and. Only 6% of the private sector is unionized. So all that, those gains happen within that 6%. But you know what happens if UPS wins big gains. 
DHL and FedEx, they're not just going to sit there or they're going to lose their workers, right? Or their workers are going to organize. So all the anti-union, non-union employers way that are much bigger are freaking out and like Nissan and Toyota and Honda all gave big raises, right? So my point is workers are taking matters into their own hands. They're winning uh, increases. And that's one thing that's going to make workers feel better. A second thing is inflation is cooling and it's going to continue to cool. And so that's good. And the third thing is all that investing in America we did, Rick, in the in the last Congress, the 117th Congress, the, the uh, Chips and Science Act and the Infrastructure and Jobs Act and the Inflation Reduction Act, we invest, we actually sort of began to approximate having an industrial policy in this country again. And that takes a long time to kick in, but it is starting to. Workers are seeing construction jobs from that. Manufacturing jobs are obviously even slower than construction jobs. But as all those jobs begin to come more and more online, that's also good. So I think, you know, by the time we get to November 5th, 2024, um, I think the, you know, workers will feel better than the economy about they do uh, than they do even now. And they're not going to want to go back to that crazy guy who just is 100% chaos all the time. Right. You know, and look, you know, the reality is, is the things that I gave Donald Trump credit for, uh, which was identifying the fact that we have a manufacturing crisis in this country. Uh, he didn't do anything about it. He, he did have he did come out and say, look, we need to bring those jobs back. I uh, had no plan to do it. Uh, made America aware of the fact that we have this. But Biden's actually been doing it. And I don't think they've done a good enough job getting out and selling that. I don't think they've done a good enough job of, of beating the drum to let people know. And like on the infrastructure front, I said from the beginning, what they need to do is much more PR. The thing that Trump would do, he talked about, you know, big accomplishments and how wonderful he was, never did anything. But boy, he could, he could sell it. Uh, Biden's right. doing huge things. It just doesn't seem like they they're they're selling it when really good things are happening. I mean, I also give Trump credit for calling, uh, you know, calling out U.S. trade policy, and that's related to what you're talking about, right? And 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 Democrats as well as Republicans were complicit in selling our working class down the river by letting capital go anywhere it wants in the world to make stuff the cheapest possible and act like we don't go to work every day. We're just consumers that want to run to Walmart and buy the cheapest thing. No, we got to have jobs, you know, and good jobs. So, you know, but I agree with you 100%. And here's the thing. Uh, there's two things on this, like they get, we got to sell it better. Number one is absolutely just tell the story. We've got to get out there. Um, and and But there's another aspect to it that I think is really tough. And that is that when the federal government spends money, it doesn't it doesn't actually go out and build a bridge or a power, you know, a, a, a green hydrogen plant or something. It gives the money to the states and they put it out. Right. And then some mayor is showing up with this is my education plan. This is my, this governor's workforce plan. This and none, none of it says Joe Biden or the Democratic Congress that actually provided all the money for all right. this. Or so no, worse yet, you get uh, like Miss Sanchez down in Florida, who's taking credit for all the money that's coming <laughs> into her her area when she voted against it. And you know, we can go oh, down the list did. of politicians who do that. But you know, maybe maybe we maybe not let them do that. I don't know. Yeah, look, they they vote against it. 
they rant against it, and then they show up to put the gold shovel in the ground <laughs> at the groundbreaking. I mean, how hypocritical is that? No, so, it is. It is. But you know, the other part of this is, and you hit on it at the beginning. Uh, it's the organizing part, and one of the things all uh, during 2023 I was saying is. Uh, you need to get out when there's a, a strike in your area and adopt a striker, get out there and walk in the picket lines. In fact, you know, when we went to the UAW strike up in Centerline, Michigan, you and your father were there uh, as well and, you know, spent a good portion of the day there. We took pictures. We talked to people. You know, we need to be doing more of that as a society, more of that as a as a community, because, you know, as we talked about. You know, when those workers have better wages, hours, conditions, it, it raises others up as well. And even though it's only 6% of the private sector workforce, that's going to have a reverberation effect across across industries. And that's and the stuff that, that's the stuff that builds prosperity in the working class. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not measured effectively. And that's and nobody talks about it. But that is huge. But I got to say, you know, every time I talk to you, Rick, I got to talk about the 94%. I mean, in 2023, even as this astoundingly broad array of workers in many industries were winning huge gains through collective bargaining, right, and solidarity, you had workers at Starbucks, at Trader Joe's, at REI, at Amazon, knocking at the door, right, and saying, oh, gee, that looks, that looks kind of good. Could I get a little bit of that? And the answer is no. I mean, American law policy, the reality is not one worker, 365 or more Amazon store, I mean, um, Starbucks stores have unionized, not one worker in any of those companies has a first contract or is close to it. So we have to lift up the collective bargaining wins that are happening and, and go out and really create a crisis in society about the fact that unless wor other workers can get contracts and bargain for a better life, we're never going to rebuild. No, and, and this is important because, you know, I, I remember, you know, the, you know, George Miller from California came out with the, uh, uh, the Employee Free Choice Act, as something they yeah. thought George W. Bush might sign. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I shook Barack Obama's hand twice and he told me we were getting something better and we got nothing. Uh, you know, the PRO Act is out there. There's legislation out there that would help workers get that first contract. And look, as weak as I thought EFCA was, the Employee Free Choice Act was, at least it had that first contract arbitration, which I right. thought was huge. Uh, currently, the law is, is, like you've pointed out, you could, you, could, you could have, you know, wins in every Starbucks store. It doesn't mean they're ever getting a contract because the law doesn't, doesn't mandate that they, they have to bargain in good faith. And, right. and, and they the get away Act, with not bargaining in good faith. Right, and the PRO Act follows up on, on EFCA. It's it's more comprehensive in a lot of ways, um, but it, it has first contract uh, mediation arbitration. And basically, under the PRO Act, a competent union after an election, as long as it does what it's supposed to, you know, would have the workers at any facility that, that's voted to organize would have a first contract in about seven months. Yeah. And that, you know... That's that's huge. And, you know, very well from your experience, most employers wouldn't even let it go to that because they're they don't want to let some arbitrator. Yeah, nobody wants that on either side. You know, I'm going to hey, I own this. I own this business. I'm going to you know, I'm going to negotiate it out myself because people think they're smart negotiators or they don't they don't want to take whatever they think. Right. But so I, I got to say this and, I you know, I want to know what you think. Look, I wasn't you know, I didn't live through the Carter. You know, I was a teenager, but. Carter, Clinton, Obama, and Biden all had at least two years 
with Democratic control of both the House and the Senate, and none of them passed labor law reform. And I was, I had a seat at after Carter at all of them, because at Clinton, I was a staff attorney of his labor law reform commission. And in Obama, I was at the National AFL-CIO before that and helped create AFCA and the, and the employee and the, and the voice at work campaign, you know, to try to make having collective bargaining a human right. And then in the Biden two years, I was in Congress trying to lead the charge for, for the PRO Act. So what I've concluded, Rick, is that we can't just let, let this come down to legislators. We can't let this come down to thinking that, oh, senators and, you know, like even if we elect enough Democrats, we have to go out and organize in our local unions, in the community, in the streets, and basically create a movement to demand that workers have collective bargaining in this country. It has to be, you know, a national consciousness raising like grapes boycott kind of thing where we get you know society understands this fact that nobody knows about right no, now. No, I've been Andy, those Starbucks workers can't get any contract. You're singing you're singing from the we're singing from the same hymnal. I've been saying this for years. The reason we got the National Labor Relations Act was because people were literally tearing this country apart brick by brick. I've often said it's it was a peace treaty to get workers to to please yes. come and sit down and and negotiate. Uh, and, and I've been saying, you know, the only way we get things is if we demand them, we fight for them. You know, look, politicians are tools, but we got to have the right tools to get the job done. And as you pointed out, in some cases, we didn't get it. You know, I mean, I go back to the Clinton years, you know, Bob Dole you know, filibustered the, the strike replacement bill, and then they just left it. Uh, Obama's crew didn't even... I don't even think he even tried to move the Employee Free Choice Act in the first year uh, because they thought, hey, we got we got four years. Um I like and the fact gonna, that Biden's gonna, been doing what he can, but legislatively, man, we got we got to get we have to have that law and that that backstop to make that to make that kind of organizing uh, on a grand scale possible. I think exactly. I think it's like a, a step process. There will not we're not going to get if if you just had a, a you know a free market for union representation, we'd be back up to thirty five percent like we were in the late forties and early fifties. All the research shows that, like this fancy MIT study showed that 48% of non-union workers want a union. Well, if even you know, most 60% of those got a chance, we'd be back up to 35%, you know? So, um, but the thing is, okay, so the second step is passing labor law reform so we can organize to scale again. But the first step is the movement to force the labor law reform. Absolutely, and that's, I'm what, right there with that's you. what I feel. That's what I'm about right now. Um, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to really do that. And I'm interested in seeing the UAW. You know what a huge victory they had, and and pre the new president, you know, Sean Fain, immediately said we're going all around to all these non-union plants to try to organize. No. So let's see what kind of comes out of that. That was very encouraging. I love know? his messaging though. In fact, you know, I love his messaging because it's been mine for the last nearly 20 years of doing this program, which is, you know, it's that, that what side are you on unionism? You know, it's, it's the working people versus the billionaire class. It's very simple to see. And in this presidential election, the fact that you know Sean Fain did not even meet with Trump going, look, we know what he's about. We saw what he did as president, and he's the problem. I thought I thought that frame was perfect. You know, Sean Fain is the anti-Trump, not Joe Biden. Joe Biden's a great guy, whatever. I'll, you know, I'm voting for him. But I, Sean Fain, when, oh, come on, dude. When he showed up at his weekly update in the Eat the Rich t-shirt, I was like, 
honestly, I was like, oh my God. I Love never, that guy. I never would have thought to say that he should do that. It's so genius. He just, he is who he is. And then one on one of those updates, he said, I know what they think of us. They like me, they think I'm some hick from, you know, some working class hick from Kokomo, Indiana. And you know what? They're right. And we're smart and we're going to, you know, and he went on and I just, uh, he is, uh, you know, and, and people, uh, oh man, these reporters are crawling around Michigan saying, can he get his members to vote for Biden? You know, and what, what I say, Rick is look, uh, you were with me on the picket line, as you pointed out, there were Trumpy people on that picket line and there were people who would never vote for Donald Trump ever, you know, on that picket line, the workers, right? There was a mix, but I do, I absolutely think if you have union leadership like that, that is telling it like it is and is, you know, saying that Trump is a scab, which he totally is, you know, I think it I, he's, he doesn't magically transform everybody. But I think that kind of leadership of like, hey, let's vote as a working class in our own interest to get, you know, so we can have a good life. Yep. All no. we want is good wages, good benefits you know, time, enough time off to be with our family and a retirement package so we can retire in dignity. That's kind of all we want, really, right? It's and if you listen to things. his endorsement speech when they endorsed Joe, endorsed Joe Biden, he laid it out. He said, look, this is Biden's a guy who walked the picket line. This is a guy who, when we needed him, you know, back in 2008, 2009, this is a guy who was there for us. Trump was the guy who said, hey, I could have gotten more out of those workers. Those workers are suckers, uh, you know, and, and down the line of all the things that Trump had done. Um, he didn't talk about Lordstown, Ohio, where he told said nobody move. Uh, this plant's not going anywhere. And then, the, uh, oddly enough, the plant closed. I didn't get into that, but there was so much that he could have. But just laying it out in these are the facts. This is reality. Any sane, rational voter, if you're a UAW member, an auto worker, I don't know how you then go, yeah, I'm still voting for the guys against me. Right. And I mean, you know, Trump has been stiffing workers since his days with the Atlantic City casinos. I mean, he's been, you know, a horrible boss, anti-worker in every way as a billionaire or fake billionaire or whatever he's been, you know, all this time. Uh, yeah. So I think it's uh, really important. The, I think the messaging is really important. And you know what else? I think the UAW was also right to wait and endure. The, you know, the, people say, oh, they need to endorse Biden, right? Right back, what, six months ago or whenever that was. And I'm like, yo, they're, they're in the fight for their existence in this big three contract. And Congress, we passed all this money for, you know, a transition to a clean energy economy. And they've got to make sure this administration doesn't like give all that money away to these union busting companies in the South that, and I think they were right to say, look, we're for the work. We are an organization of workers and we endorse politicians when it's clear to us that they are actually fighting for us, not because of some party label or just some automatic thing, you know, and I think they were right to wait and do it when they had, you know, Yep. Biden had shown he was really standing with them. I, I hat my hats off to them on that. Absolutely. I, 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 I would have, if it's me, I probably would have waited a little bit longer uh, mm -hmm. to when, you know, when things start really heating up, but you know, look, I can't question this. I, I, I do question some other unions and, and some of their recent behavior, especially mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, we'll, we'll see how this plays out.
Uh, but Andy, I appreciate the time as always. Great piece. Hope folks will take a look at it over at the DC Journal on Bidenomics. Crit critics are missing the forest for the trees, written by Andy Levin, a uh, distinguished senior fellow over at the Center for American Progress. Andy, thanks so much. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for what you do. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Uh, questions, comments, something on your mind, by all means, shoot me a line. For our Free Speech TV audience, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time. For our radio affiliates, going to take a quick break. Right back after this. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So we've all gotten the emails from the Nigerian princes. We've all seen the uh, the Facebook, hey, send me money and I'll give you, you know, riches of gold and silver and I'll make you wildly wealthy. We've all seen this stuff. The con games, well, they are plentiful. And as my grandfather always said, if it seems too good to be true, it's too good to be true, so don't do it. Uh, when I went to go buy a car and the guy told me, hey, yeah, you can, I'll sell it to you, but go get me Walmart gift cards. That's that's a scam. Don't do it. But, you know, we've seen all of those, but it gets much worse uh, because that stuff can also lead to identity theft where then it really gets bad. And evidently this is identity theft uh, action week. And that's why I've asked Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel to come share some thoughts and maybe how to protect ourselves, maybe how to stop this, and maybe, maybe how we start locking some of these bums up. Dana, thanks for taking time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rick. So walk me through, uh, because, you know, like I said, we all, we're all inundated with these, these con games, these schemes. Uh, this is big business, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's uh, affecting more and more of us. And the latest estimates are just in the last year, 9% of all Americans were impacted by this. So I think we really have to start approaching identity theft, not as if this is going to happen to you, but when it happens to you, how do you react? And what we think is most important is not just the things that you can do after you already have been subjected to identity theft, but how to better protect yourself to make sure it doesn't happen in the first place. Yeah. Now explain me the difference because, you know, I spent a lot of time playing with people, you know, the Nigerian princes and the guy on Facebook who says, Hey, send me a hundred dollars and I'll send you 1500. You know, I like playing with those people because I'm never sending them anything, but I figure if I waste enough of their time, they're not going after somebody else. Uh, there's that, which happens to a lot of people. We see horrible stories of, you know, people, you know, basically giving their life savings away because, hey, the granddaughter got into an accident. Go get me Walmart or eBay gift cards. This is different, isn't it? What you're talking about, identity theft, much, much, much worse, much, much different, right? Yeah, it is. And because it's not just a matter of, you know, just that handful of gift cards that you might purchase and, and lose. We're talking about somebody stealing your identity and then using all your personal information to create, you know, whole accounts in your name to purchase vehicles or homes, uh, or really to steal everything that you have in your bank account and in your investment accounts. It's really serious and it can be incredibly devastating to people. But 
the good news is there are a lot of ways to identify identity theft and make sure that you don't fall victim for it. So we're really trying to encourage people to look for those red flags. Right. And I will say that, you know, I don't know how many of your listeners um, uh, are familiar with Andy Cohn from uh, Bravo uh, Real Housewives, but, you know, he's a pretty smart and sophisticated and savvy guy. And he just got taken for a whole lot of money in what was a really sophisticated scam that we're highlighting so that people are better aware of it. And what will happen is this, you will get a phone call or you'll get a text message or an email. Sometimes it'll be all three of those things saying that something urgent is happening. Maybe somebody uh, has your information and is charging things to your credit card or is hacking into your accounts. And they'll tell you it's important that you immediately supply certain information. So they'll send you a link and they'll want you to go to that link and then put your personal information in there, or they'll just call you and pretend to be from your bank or your credit union or from some other company that you do business with and ask you for that personal information. And even though that's scary, what we're advising people to do is this, you know, take a breath, uh, get whatever information they're giving you, but don't provide your own information, right. hang up, don't respond to that link. And instead you call your bank directly and a number that you know is your bank, or you call that business after you look up the number, not whatever number they just provided to you. They could be spoofed, could be not calling from really that number. Uh, and, you know, log on to the website that you know is that website and then look at, you know, is there a problem with your bank account? Are there any suspicious transactions or you call directly and you say, Hey, um, it's me, it's, it's Dana Nessel. I'm calling to ask, is there anything wrong with my account? And then they'll let you know. And that way you're not inadvertently talking to the scammer who's pretending that there's a problem with your account. Yeah so that you'll provide your personal information. No, that that what you just said there is the most important part of it. Take a breath. Uh, don't be caught up in the in the in the immediacy of the moment. And that's all of these scams. The second you step back and you go, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. Uh, this isn't how I've I've dealt with this in the past. Then this all this stuff breaks down. The second they get you all hyped up and oh my gosh, what do I do? you're not really thinking things through clearly. So I think that's the best advice of all. But then again, back to what my grandfather always said, you know, uh, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And, but this also, you know, if they're providing you a link, never, never click on the link from anyone. I, I, I make sure I don't do that. But what do you do then if, if you did make the mistake? So, okay, well, I, I gave the information. I'm now regretting that you know what yeah. out of this. Now you've calmed down, you've taken that breath and you go, oh, I screwed up. What sure. do you do? Well, when, you, when you figure out, you know, that, that terrible moment when you're like, wow, I provided information and now somebody has it. Uh, first of all, we really recommend that people go to a service um, where they can lock down their credit. And by locking down your credit, you're at least making sure that somebody can't be taking out a line of credit in your name. And, you know, it's not very expensive. And it's one of these things where it just takes a minute if you want to unlock it. Let's say you do want to apply for a credit card or ask for a loan or something. It's only going to take you a minute to do it yourself. Uh, in this way, you can make certain that nobody is doing that in your name. You can also check your credit frequently and it's free to do so. So you can see, are there any changes to your credit? What's happening? I make it a habit actually to regularly 
go online, log in and check my bank account information to see if there's any unusual transactions. Oftentimes, what scammers will do is they'll start with a really minor transaction and maybe you pass over it and you're like, oh, I don't know what that is. It's just for $3.99 though, so I'm going to ignore it. Don't ignore it because they're doing that as a way to sort of trick you to see if you are going to recognize it or respond and the next charge is going to be a lot bigger. Right. So you might need to get a new credit card or debit card. I will say this as well. We really encourage people, if they can use credit cards instead of debit cards or Zelle or Venmo or something like that, the important thing is on a credit card, you can always challenge the transactions that are on there. And so, you know, not everybody has the ability to establish good enough credit to, to have a credit card, but if you can, it really is the preferred method uh, to keep you from losing a lot of money. No, you're, there, you're you're spot on, which is why, you know, the PayPal's and the cash apps and the uh, and the store gift cards, that stuff's gone. Once it's once it's done, it's in the wind. You're never getting it back. But a credit card, you can go back and challenge those. And that's that's an important it's an important part of, of all of this. So, so are you are you advocating? Because I hear on the radio all the time, you know, you know this this company or this company, uh, they've got you know identity theft. Is that what we're advocating people to do, uh, and 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 take that on? It is a good idea. It it honestly is. Uh, it's you know I know that you know I use one of those services and I get notified now every time I and mean, right away they'll tell me if somebody um, you know is trying to use my my information for something. And again, they, they can't actually open up a credit line in my name because it is completely locked down. But you know, there's other things that people don't think of as well that are really important. And I know it seems simple, but you know, we get all kinds of uh, financial information in the mail. It's very important to really shred that stuff before you put it in your trash. Somebody really might be going through your trash yeah. and finding that information. Um, and we're really encouraging people, honestly, if you can, to stop using paper checks to pay for things. And maybe it's just because I'm old that I, you know, I'm just used to doing that over the course of many years. But if you can pay online, you know, we're seeing a lot of check theft lately. And if you are using paper checks, if you could try to not just put it in, you know, sticking out of your mailbox at your house or your apartment and try to go to a, a postal box and, and put it right inside the box so that somebody can't just swipe that. Once they have swiped one of your checks, now they have all your checking account yeah, information. They can print their own so, checks. And, and, and yeah, no, I, um, another one of those things. Look, they're getting more creative because, you know, there are opportunities out there. So let me ask you, you know, once Let's say we, we we didn't take that deep breath at the beginning and fend them off right away. Uh, we gave them the information. They're starting. They've they've stolen our identity. What recourse do we have? How do we recover from it? How does you know Mr. Cohen come back from losing you know millions, probably millions of dollars in an elaborate scheme? How do how do we get our name back? How do we get our good name back? Well, you know, in Michigan, what we have available to Michigan residents is, you know, you can call us up. And we actually have an entire unit of government um, called the Michigan Identity Theft Support System. And we assign you a caseworker and we really go step by step to help you rebuild your identity. Um, and anybody can, by the way, go to our website and take a look and we provide what those steps are. And, and that's good for virtually any state. But every state, of course, has a Department of Attorney General. And that's generally speaking, the government body that assists with that. Um, but you can also call the Better Business Bureau uh, and they will give you 
that information, there's a lot of agencies out there that will help you to restore your credit and to restore your good name. But again, the best thing that you can do uh, is be proactive. But if something does happen, remember, the worst thing you can do is nothing at all. If you just sit there uh, and you're embarrassed, you don't want to say anything, um, don't feel stupid, right? Uh, this can happen to the best of us. It happens to everyone. And you have to take you know, precautions and you have to do something right away if you know that your identity has been stolen. Because in the meantime, every day that you sit on it and you just don't do anything at all is a day that somebody might be using your personal information yeah. for something that's going to be really devastating to you. It can only get worse. And the embarrassed part is, is one of those things that, you know, I can't believe, you know, we got scammed. And I remember, look, I was, I was 19. I got, I got caught at a con. A guy was selling what were supposedly Bose speakers out of the back of his van. And I, I, I gave him like a hundred bucks or something for him at the time, only to find out they, they weren't, they had the name on them they weren't uh, but you learn you learn those little lessons and you get bitten and i wasn't embarrassed i was angry so this is one of those things that i think people need to get angry about and as as the attorney general i hope you get angry about it too and we start locking some of these people up with real sentences not just slaps on the wrists or hey pay a fine but but real you know real jumpsuit kind of orange jumpsuits and gray bar hotel stays and stuff like that well, we take that very seriously in Michigan, um, but the the important thing to know is a lot of times these scams are coming from overseas, and that's not to say that you know our partners with the FBI and Homeland Security uh, and other agencies and task force aren't doing anything. But you know it is harder, obviously, to apprehend somebody if this is coming in from Romania, right? And so that's why we want people to be aware of it. Um, also. You know, just regular phishing scams are still out there. And what is that? It's you're going to get an email and it'll be from somebody that you're not sure who that is. And maybe it'll say, oh, there's an invoice. Click on the invoice. You owe money. And of course, everybody wants to know, like, wait, who do I owe money to? But if you don't recognize that email, don't click on it and be really careful before you click on anything in an email that's sent to you. You really have to verify the address that it's coming from. Remember what scammers will intentionally do is they'll have an email address that is just slightly different than whatever the real address or the real website is. And they're very sophisticated. They'll have the, the actual name uh, or email address of a company, but maybe there'll be an extra slash or hyphen or you know a period or something. And so you have to be so, so careful when you're getting that kind of stuff in your email uh, and just not clicking on anything that's attached. So last question I've got for you, and really quick, can you, you walk me through one of these? Uh, you know, just, you know, an example of, you know, one of the most common ones that are out there so people know how to identify this stuff. You know, you know, from just real quick from, you know, start to, hey, this is this is the contact through what what the what the verbiage may be so people maybe get a little sense of awareness. Yeah, well, it's it's the call that you get in. Uh, or the text message or email saying that one of your accounts has been compromised and they need to verify your information. So you have to click on that link. Or if it's somebody calling you, you have to provide to that individual who's calling certain information. But one caveat here to be really careful about, remember that artificial intelligence has become very dangerous in many ways. And you might get a call from someone and it sounds like somebody you know. It could be a friend or a family member or uh, a neighbor or or your pastor. 
And it might sound exactly like them. I'm not saying to be afraid of anybody that calls to talk to them, but if it's somebody all of a sudden who wants your social security number or your bank account number or your credit card information, and you didn't reach out to them, uh, even if it sounds exactly like that person, uh, say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you a call back and hang up and then call them directly. It might not be whoever they purport right. to be. It might be an artificial intelligence scam. That is excellent. Uh, that is excellent advice. And thanks for putting something else into my head, uh, a reason that I'm against the, uh, the uh, whole AI revolution. Uh, but Attorney General, I appreciate you taking some time. Keep up the great work. And I, I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Me too. Talk to you soon, Rick. Thanks Take so care. Much. Attorney Bye -bye. General Dana Nessel. I want to hear your thoughts. Have you ever had you know something like this happen to you? I want to hear about it. Rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Just wow. I got to tell you, amazing stuff. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1821. That was the birthday of the first woman to earn her medical degree in the United States. Her name was Elizabeth Blackwell. She was born in Bristol, England. Her family moved to the United States when she was just 11 years old. Elizabeth decided she wanted to pursue a career in medicine. She believed that women patients should have the option of a female doctor but it was not easy to make her dream come true. Medicine was considered men's work. Undeterred, Elizabeth began to study medicine on her own. Medical schools rejected her applications. Finally, she was accepted to the Geneva Medical College in New York. Most students at the school were horrified by the idea of a woman studying medicine, but she won many over with her ability and hard work. In 1849, she completed her work and graduated, but her difficulties were not over. No hospital in New York would hire her. She was even refused rental space when landlords found out she wanted it for a woman-run medical practice. Finally, she purchased a home for her practice. She also started a medical dispensary for the poor in New York City. She was later joined in her work by her sister, who also graduated with a medical degree. She went on to lecture on medicine in England, becoming the first woman to have her name on the British Medical Register. She and her sister helped to train nurses for service during the Civil War. They also founded a women's medical college that operated for 31 years. By her determination, Elizabeth Blackwell helped open the door for future generations of women to work in the field of medicine. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. So to pick up on our conversation with Dana Nessel, I got to tell you, you know, I've, I've seen so many of those phishing emails and gotten so many calls. Uh, hey, you know, we... We, we got an urgent need for some information. And and like she said, you know, take a breath, relax, um, and then think about it. You know, would your bank call you out of the blue and, and say, hey, give us all of your personal information? Normally what I do is I say, tell me what you've got and I'll, and I'll verify it for you. you. After all, you called me. And that usually it gets people going, all right, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to go on to another sucker. 
And, and, and look, you know, there's, there's scary stuff coming on down the, down the road. And, you know, these people are clever. There's, there's lots of money to be had. And, and I don't want anyone to be that, that story that we hear of, um, you know, just recently a, a story came up at, at my bank where a guy came in and, and, and I, I was in the bank when it happened. He had gone and bought uh, a bunch of store gift cards uh, because I think a relative was supposedly in trouble. And, you know, he, he gave the, the, the gift cards uh, that, he, that he had taken money out of the bank for. And he was trying to get the bank to, to do something. And the teller's like, you know, I'm sorry. There's, I wish I could help you. Uh, you know, had you mentioned to us at the beginning, we'd have told you that that's a scam. That if they needed money, you could have just given them the money. You could have, you could have done, you know, something, you know, written them a check, you know, something. Um, you know, because police departments don't take Walmart gift cards. Uh, they don't take Subway gift cards. They don't take eBay Motor gift cards. They don't, they don't take any of that stuff. And, you know, like she said, you know, calm down, take a breath and think about it. And before you give out any personal information, um, think very long and hard. Because I know a couple of people who've had, had their identities ripped off and people have taken out loans and done some really shady stuff. Uh, it is a long, long way back. And speaking of shady stuff, uh, the Know Nothing, Do Nothing party is at it again. Yes, yes, the Republicans are at it again. And I think my quote of the day, and I'm, I've never been a huge Dan Crenshaw fan, but the Texas Republican, you know, he, he's... He's, he's right here. He said, the height of stupidity is having a strong opinion in something you know nothing about. He says, I'm extremely disappointed in the strange maneuvering by many on the right to torpedo a potential border reform bill if we have a bill that on net significantly decreases illegal immigration and we sabotage that. He says, that's inconsistent with what we told our voters we would do. And look, I would argue, you know, killing the bill before you even know what's in it, before anything's in it that you know. But again, you know, the know nothing, do nothing, folks. It's not about solving problems. It's about creating them. And no one, no one better than that. And a perfect example. Globally, there's a push for a global corporate tax of 15%. Uh, we in this country have been pushing for that all across the globe to ensure everyone pays. Uh, you know, so you can't run away from the U.S. and not pay taxes somewhere. And the idea is you're going to stay home. The idea is where you're where you're building your wealth, you're going to you're going to be okay. So evidently, this 15% tax is is going to happen in all of the countries around the world, except for except for here, because evidently we didn't. Uh, I don't know. We didn't we didn't change our tax law. Uh, and the Republicans are arguing that Biden gave away too much. So they're giving all of it away, which is the most know nothing, do nothing thing that you can you can come up with. And are you surprised? Because, look, at the end of the day, while they scream about about corporate tax cheats and they scream about now about the billionaires and now they care about the little guy they say what they do this i think gives it away i think it gives it away and speaking of no nothing do nothing uh, or in this case want to do something but no they can't so ultimately do nothing 
Uh, evidently, Ilian Omar, the Democrat from Minnesota, whom I'm not a huge fan of, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, gave a speech. And she gave a speech to a room full of Somali supporters uh, that evidently Republicans like Tom Emmer, the Republican from Minnesota, uh, are calling anti-American. Now, again, this is, you know, whatever you want. I, I believe what you want. Uh, evidently, the transcript, <laughs> not accurate, because, uh, you know, how many Republicans speak Somali? I, I don't know. I can't imagine that any of them, them took that up in high school. And if they did, I'm, I'm going to assume I'm going to assume they got some of it wrong. And, and maybe who knows where the, 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 the translation came from. Uh, could have been Wikipedia. Who knows? But it's wrong. It's inaccurate. It's it's all reporting is saying it's wrong. My favorite part of this, and look, maybe Ilian Omar has said some things that you can view as un-American, but guess what? Uh, we, are, we are told we're a country of free speech. And I'm not going to defend, I'm personally not going to defend uh, anti-American speech, but it is is the right of free speech if you're, uh, if you're in that world. But I love the fact, and this is the part that's brilliant to me, that you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, who wants to censure Ilian Omar for a report that was translated improperly, and she doesn't actually know what was said. And uh, Representative Mike Collins, um, the two of them, they want to deport her over those comments, even though she is a uh, U.S. citizen. Now, this, remember, you know, you got Marjorie Three Names who wants a national divorce, uh, wants to break the country up into pieces. Now wanting to deport U.S. citizens, and and I'll tell you this is this is very fascistic. This is this is who they are, and and what they will do if you give them power, if you do something they don't like. What do you think they're going to do? They've shown their hand. Now the question is, since they are the know nothing, do nothing party, you know, is this just a matter of we need some attention? Someone needs to you know show her a little loving. Uh, maybe a pat on the head. I don't know. Maybe an add a girl, something. Um, or is this really, you know, something that they want to do? It, I'm personally of the world. They just want attention. These are attention seekers. These are people who need need to feel the glow of the spotlight. I just wish they would do it for things that that mattered. That's all. Uh, I wish they would do it for things like, you know, we have a high poverty rate for children in this country. Maybe we get that tax bill done that gets that child tax credit through uh, and make sure that, that we can put food on the table for kids. That sounds like a good idea. Something maybe to get worked up about. Something maybe, maybe, maybe that you might want to, you know, actually put a little elbow grease into, put a little thought into, a little work. You know, the fact that we got kids in, in uh, high poverty areas that aren't getting the best education that they could, maybe working on that, maybe working on health care, to ensure that every working person, every person in this country, you know, doesn't die of preventable illness. Just just kind of spitball in here. Maybe we do some some, some better preventative care so that it is our healthcare system isn't as expensive and over overworked. Just a thought, just throwing it out there. I mean, lots of things we could, should, and well, won't be doing. But this, this is just looking for clicks and views and looking for attention. 
And my problem with the know nothings and the do nothings is it's always about, hey, look at how little I know and do. Love me. It's kind of frightening. And this is where I, I keep coming back to. Come November, I'm hoping everyone remembers the know nothings and the do nothings and then sends them on the right way so they can know nothing and do nothing somewhere else. And we can put people into the halls of power like my buddy Andy Levin. Uh, who who wants to actually help working people, who actually wants to help people's lives be better. I know, I know, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Miss any portion of the program, grab the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick. At Rick at the RickSmithShow.com. Until next time, this has been the Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk.